Hello everyone, Mark here with a teaser of what's happening over on Patreon. Every month a new bonus episode is released on Patreon for members to show my appreciation of the support they are extending to the show. These bonus episodes have allowed me to head back through the series episodes where I take topics that were covered briefly and then explore them in a little more detail. These bonus episodes haven't taken anything away from my initial vision of the series, but have allowed me to supplement it with topics in isolation. This teaser is designed to give you an idea of the topics we cover and if these bonus episodes would be of interest to yourself. The teaser for the latest release will remain on the normal feed for a month and then replace with the teaser of the next bonus episode to come out. If you are interested in supporting the series, please consider heading over to the Casting Through Ancient Greece Patreon page, where you can get access to these bonus episodes plus other benefits. Hello everyone and welcome back to another bonus episode here on Patreon for the month of September. Last bonus episode we looked at the first Persian invasion of 492 and 490 from the Persians perspective, with us looking at the question did the Persians have the intention of subjugating all of Greece through these campaigns. This saw us look at both the campaigns from a top down view covering over the major details to try and answer this question. From the information we have today to work with and our use of educated guesswork, it would appear that it seemed likely that Persia had more limited aims with these campaigns. The Greeks themselves and the recorded sources had the impression that Persia was bent on taking all of Greece, though they may have come to this conclusion through hindsight, as our sources were well aware of Xerxes' campaign that would come ten years later. They appear to interpret this first invasion with the Persian intentions of the second. When it comes down to it, the campaigns of the 490s seemed to lack the resources for capturing all of Greece, and as we saw, they even lacked the resources to take what appeared to be their more limited aims. So now that we have familiarised ourselves with an overview of the first Persian invasion, I want to now get to the Battle of Marathon, which would prove to be a decisive moment in the campaign of 490. For me personally, I've always found this battle to be fascinating and never tire of reading about it. I think what makes this battle so engaging for me are the many questions that remain somewhat unanswered to this day. It is with this context that I would like to delve back into the Battle of Marathon over the next few bonus episodes. This episode I have titled Questions at Marathon and I would like to outline a number of areas where these are still asked today. So for this episode we will move our way through the different phases of the battle, reacquainting ourselves with what unfolded. As we do this, we will expand on the different points where questions around the battle arise. This will then give us a good refresher on the battle and set us up for the episodes that will follow. With the questions outlined through these different phases, I would then like to take each one in turn and devote a bonus episode to each. This then allowing us to explore each area in isolation. With these, we will delve into the different points of view and see if we can arrive at what might have been taking place based on the information available to us today. So let's now turn to how the Battle of Marathon would develop and unfold. After the Persian forces had captured and enslaved the people of Eritrea on the island of Euboea, they would depart in their ships sailing down the eastern coast of Attica, where they would land at the Bay of Marathon. We are told by Herodotus that the old tyrant of Athens, Hippias, would lead the forces here as it was the most suitable place for cavalry to operate. Remembering how we were told, that the Persian preparations for this campaign had involved the construction of specialty ships for the horses. 
The Bay Area Marathon would spread out into a large plain that would then be surrounded by a series of rugged hills. These hills would have a number of exits that would then lead into the interior of Attica, and Athens which lay 40 kilometres away. The Persian ships appear to have landed at the top of the bay where a terrain feature known as a dog's leg would emerge from. We will look closer at this next episode, where it will feed into our first point of questioning we'll be focusing on, this having to do with the disposition of forces. Once the Athenians had received word of the actions of the Persians, they would march their army out from Athens and to Marathon. The Athenians would be led by ten generals, one from each political tribe in Athens, where each tribe would be made up of approximately a thousand hoplites each. An eleventh general would also accompany the army and be given a position of authority over the others, with him being known as a polemarch. Leading this Athenian force would be the polemarch Callimachus. However, Athens would seek help in meeting the Persian landings at Marathon. It would appear as the Athenians were readying to leave for Marathon, a herald would be sent to the small polis of Plataea. While once at Marathon, another who Herodotus identifies as Philippides would be sent to seek aid from Sparta. The Plataeans would answer Athens' call, for they had previously placed themselves under Athens' protection, when they were having troubles with Thebes. A Plataean force of a thousand strong would march into the area of Marathon, just as the Athenians had taken up their position to oppose the Persians. This force would have represented the entire contingent of hoplites that this small city-state would have been able to field. As for Sparta, they would tell the herald that they would like to march in aid of Athens, but the current festival that they were observing prevented them from crossing their borders. They would need to wait until the next full moon before they could march. So this would see that there would be somewhere around 11,000 Greek hoplites at Marathon, where they would oppose perhaps some 25,000 Persians. Herodotus would tell us that the Athenians had taken up a position in the precinct of Heracles, this being where they would make their camp. It's not 100% certain where this was located in the areas around Marathon, but it's thought to perhaps be at the base of the hills towards the bottom end of the bay, which also oversaw the coastal road leading out of the plains towards Athens. However, we will be looking closer at this next episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed that taste of what's happening over on Patreon. If you would like to support the series, please consider heading over to Patreon, where you can gain access to the full version of this episode, plus many more. Alternatively, you can head to the Casting Through Ancient Greece website and click on the Support the Series button, where you can discover many ways to extend your support to the show. Thank you everyone for listening to the series, and I hope you continue to enjoy what is to come in the future.